episode of the NRL All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back for another Supercoach episode post the TLT round one episode. Matty Person is joining us, podcast veteran, Tigers fan and regular on the NRL All-Stars podcast. Perso, we have NRL round one in the books, but also Supercoach round one in the books. How good? Oh, it's a pretty fantastic round, wasn't it? There's a lot of good games popped up. Um, the less said about your side and my side, the better. But, uh, <laughs> aside from that, there's some cracking games for round one. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, I thought the quality was was good. And one of the things that was interesting was the the scoring wasn't up there like it has been other rounds. I mean, obviously, we'll always reference the six again rounds where, you know, it just went crazy that year and everything. But the... Um, it was really good footy, really nice to have it back, exciting. I thought the quality was pretty good, but they managed to do it without heaps of points scoring. I mean, that Thursday night game, 13-12, it looked like that nobody was going to score any points for a while. It might have been a 1-0 one, the way it was going. But it was a really good game. So, you know, it's, it goes to show you don't need all the attack and stuff and the razzle-dazzle to have some good footy for round one. That was a couple of those games, the little grinding sort of games. There wasn't a lot of stoppage in that game either, so that's why um, there was a, the tackle rates were right up there, um, which would be something we could touch on the super catch. The base stats were through the roof because there wasn't a lot of stoppages and it was a tight game. Uh, even the, the Panthers-Broncos game as well, that was a, a similar boat. It was, yeah, some good footy, a real good footy over the weekend, I thought. But, um, yeah, a couple of sides struggling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they are. The, the less said about the struggles, the better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, I mean, I tipped your Tigers. I thought your Tigers at Leichhardt Oval. Mate, I never, I never picked the Bastards, and I did this round, and yeah, that's why I never pick them. Well, they were set up for it, really, like all the new roster and stuff and Leichhardt Oval. And, look, we'll get into the Supercoach stuff in a minute, but fair income, there's, there's people defending the, uh, the appy benching and stuff. I just think that it's overthinking it way too much. I don't understand. Like, obviously, Penrith can bench Appy because they're, they're the Penrith Panthers and they've won premierships and stuff. But the Tigers, you, you can't do that sort of stuff. Like, I, I just thought it was a bit silly. Like, you needed Appy there straight up, didn't you? Like, how did you feel about it as a Tigers fan? Oh, I, I think he was a bit underdone, Appy. I can see that's probably why. But... Um... Jake, Jake Simpkin was actually probably the best game I've seen him play in that first 20 minutes. But, yeah, you'd, you'd still expect Appy to play 60 minutes. But he only played 46 out of that game. We had that much ball at the start of it. Uh, we had that much ball in the opposition 20, and we just looked, we just couldn't produce anything. So, I mean, you got surely Appy would have helped that, <laughs> you'd think. But, yeah, I don't know, whether he's just said oh, I'm done, he had no trials, he had a, a lower a soft tissue injury in the calf or something but that might have had something to do with it but you're still 46 minutes from your marquee signing off the bench you're captain as well that was the thing that surprised yeah, me too because he yeah. was captain i didn't think that would happen at all but i mean they've lost so hopefully that'll put to bed that sort of <laughs> if it was because he was a bit underdone then i understand a little bit more but you know you'd hope that shane isn't going to do that this round but you know we digress we do need to focus on the super coach for the ladies and gentlemen that are listening, this podcast is obviously the TLT Round 2 podcast, but 
how we're going to run it. We're going to do some top three takeaways from me and Perso each on what we thought about round one, different things that we sort of pulled out of it and thought about the super coach side of things from the round. Then we're going to do a quick score trend breakdown for round one as well and discuss that briefly. Then we're going to preview each game for TLT for round two, uh, including market watch, which we're going to do first. And then we're going to preview each game after that, discussing the, the popular buys and the pods and the matchup plays and the CVC options, etc. So you're in for an absolute treat once again on the NRL All-Stars podcast. Perso, let's start off with our top three takeaways though from round one. Uh, I'll go first. I have to just get this off my chest here. I cannot believe every year that this same thing happens. People forget that it's only round one. That's my number one takeaway for Supercoach from round one. People forget that it is only one round. We're going to go through market watch later, but Jesus Christ, some of the knee-jerk reactions and some of the the questions that I'm getting, and look, I don't mean to discourage questions or <laughs> out-of-the-box thinking, and I also say I feel everyone's pain. Like when I have someone score a five in my centre wing, which has happened this week, oh, I want to get rid of the bugger as well. Like I don't want to look at him ever again. But it's only one game, guys. You know, and I just, I think even... You know, the Teddy stuff as well. I've seen people wanting to trade Teddy out. It's like he scored a 51. He didn't score a four. It's only one game. You know, I, I just, I always get surprised, per se, with how much people take out of one round of footy. <laughs> but that's that's Teddy's um, second best score in five years in round one. Uh, look, the Roosters weren't any good. <laughs> like, we were, we, were, we were bad and... A variety of factors too. Like the Dolphins played great, we played terrible, and then on top of us playing terrible, when we might have been able to come back, we had you know three or four HIAs and three or four guys off injured, and we were just buggered. Like it was all over. You know, if Teddy's going to throw up a fifty-one in a terrible game, then that probably tells you what his value is. You know, and well, he scored exactly what Cleary did. They were the two highest owned captains, so you're not really losing out, are you? Well, yeah, and I mean, that's the other thing too, right, with, with how people perceive things. And it's a lot of perceptions from one round. You, you see people are so angry at Teddy, but you don't see many people talk about clearing. You know, it's all very much a perception thing. The other thing too is that you've got to be really careful, I think, with jumping on trends from one round. You know, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about minutes and players getting 80 minutes and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that too, no doubt. And probably the other thing, per se, like you, you're one that I've heard say this many times, and it's very much sage advice, and it's a really good takeaway for everyone to think about after round one. The way the game is structured of Supercoach, it doesn't punish you yet. You're not going to get price changes yet. So, yeah, you are going to have to play some guys another week that maybe you didn't think were very good. Although guys like, you know, Pereira at the Titans, you, you just bench him. But you, you get a free look at your bench guys. Why not see if they throw up 100 this week and, and then maybe you're going to want them back and they're already in your side? Or even guys like Burton, which we'll talk about a bit more later, but look, he threw up an 18. What if he throws up an 83 this week? You know, does that change your mind about things? There's You, you don't have any price changes yet, everyone. So you're always much better off, in my opinion, not to react to round one. Uh, even reacting to round two for me, per so, can be premature at times. But, I mean, look, it's... It's double the game information, isn't it? So you've got a lot more to look at. Yeah, it's a, you can get carried away. Who's uh, <laughs> wanting to swap the cheese and guys like that straight away? But really, realistically, this round one, I think everyone's sides are fairly similar. You can have a look at the rankings to look at that. Like you, <laughs> The top 30,000 well, from 5,000 to 30,000 are separated by about 50 points or something. It's ridiculous. I don't know. You can pretty well... 
keep, there's no major injuries. There's no major guys that sort of looked ridiculous. If you want to get them out of your side, there might be a little bit of tweaking. I think you're just going to have these guys, especially at the start of the year. This year, more than ever, everyone's side looks similar. So it's that tight. So you're going to have the rankings will just go up and down, up and down. But the guys are that, like, as you said, Burton, 19 this week. If you pick Burton, you're picking for a reason. You're not going to get rid of him after one game, are you? Or really? As you said, he can't score 80 next week. You get rid of him this week. No, got 80 to what you're going to chase him and bring him back in again. Just keep burning through trades. Yeah, and I mean, that's really good advice too. Like, you've got to ask yourself, you know, how you're going to feel about it in round two if that person does perform, you know. And if just you have to be a bit patient with this sort of stuff. And I'll give everyone a real live example. I had one of the worst starts. Probably, I've had the worst start that I've ever had. I've never had a round one where I've gone that badly. Yet I am looking at, probably making no trades this week. So, I mean, look, if I've gone that terribly and I'm not making any trades, I mean, there's obviously a reason for it. And the reason is that I just haven't seen enough. Like, you can just get a bit of bad luck. I was a hair off, per se, trading into Tola at the last minute before that game because I had the cash to do it. Now, if I did that, and he he would have scored a one. Like, that would have just killed me. You know, and I had a couple of those scores already, you know. But it's it's just unlucky, isn't it? That... Typically happens to me in round one, especially we were talking about Totolo in the, mm. the last preseason game too. Both high on him, and I, I looked at, I had him in there at one point and had him out. And I, when he went down that first tackle, like, oh, thank Christ I didn't go with that because that's a move I'd normally do. And oh, I've had a lot of history in round one. We're getting hammered by things like that, but avoided it this time around. Yeah, that, that, that sort of thing happens, and you still don't panic trade. Yeah, I'd urge everybody just to think to themselves, you know, what what if I just waited another week? And also ask yourself why you're making the trade for. Like, there's probably going to be some trades per se that I would support for sure. Like, if you've made a really big mistake, like if everyone said to you that Josh Adokar probably wasn't the best way to spend in your centre wing and you did it and you want to say that was a mistake and just chalk it down to an error and you're not going to want him again, then that, that makes sense. But trading out guys that you were sold on all pre-season or guys that are a rookie that are going to score badly, you know, that's it's probably a mistake to do that just yet. Um, and as well as that, you can't take too many trends out of one game. Now, if you've got a, a middle forward that plays 80 minutes round one and then plays 80 minutes round two, that's a trend. You know, jump on that. But after one round, you know, the just as likely you're going to get that player that played 80 minutes in the middle play 50 minutes this week. You know, and if they played 50 minutes in round one, would you have wanted that player? The answer is probably no. So I would just, I'm always one person to to really jump to trading to fix stuff early. Like I'm happy to burn as many trades or even boosts as I need to, to do what I have to do. But you really don't have enough information from round one for me to make a lot of those decisions. So I would urge everyone to be really cautious and patient and not panic about what's happened in round one. That was sort of my point. Don't try just for the sake of it. I think this year, for this round one has been quite mm. uneventful with like needing to trade outs and that sort of thing. So I think it's it, pretty, if you're trading this week, really, like if you've got guys on your side, you spent what the whole off-season researching, and I want that guy on my side, didn't score the best this week, see what he does next week. Do you really need to trade him out this week? I mean, there's guys like Munster that make sense, obviously, but he's really the main casualty. Yeah, that's outside of that, there's not really a lot of – and he was only 15% owned anyway because mm. everyone was sort of going doing Burton. That's right. Well, look, the second thing that I sort of had as a takeaway for me for Supercoach for round one was teams have left themselves very short. 
um, front row forward's a really good example. You know, I, I had that many questions in the preseason of, you know, what if Yuta Kamano was my second front row forward and I went two cheapies on the bench? My answer to everyone was don't do that. You know, I know that you can spread your cash everywhere, but if Yuta Kamano scores a 38, and I actually said this to several people and I, I got his score right, he scored 38. If Yuta Kamano scores a 38 and then follows up with a 40, you're not going to want to play him, but, you know, you're also going to rather he's on your bench because he's going to get better than that. You know, it's, it's a real shit position to be in, basically. So really have had that backup in your front row forward that you can use and also the depth. I'm looking at these front row forward spots and you can already see people asking the questions, you know, I'm going to trade you to Kamano to this other front row forward or teams have left themselves really susceptible. Likewise, in centre wing, we've seen the same thing, right? Some teams have thought that they could get away with having all cheapies and all of a sudden you end up with a, a Khan Pereira in there, which I didn't you get your big five points. And some of the other ones didn't set the world on fire either. So I think a lot of teams per se are actually trading at the moment too, because they've left themselves short uh, in different spots, particularly front row forward. And that does make sense. Like if you, if you can see that you've, you've stuffed up in your team build and you've left yourself vulnerable, then I think that's that that is one of the takeaways from round one that a lot of teams have done where you can say that those teams probably need to throw a boost in there, um, alleviate some some issues that they've got in their side and be able to put down a, a better 17 for this round. Oh, for sure. These early rounds, when you're in that situation, that's what the trades are for, especially when you haven't got anything pending that you're forced to trade guys out for injury and stuff like that. So. But, um, yeah, I think we both were pretty high. I've got Stefano on my side, but he was my third front row forward and I didn't even contemplate playing him in my 17. He's just going to be a slow-burning cow. Uh, the one positive there for him was he did play 50 minutes, so the points could be there. But well, if he was your second front row forward, yeah, I'd definitely be worried about that. Yeah, and again, like, I wouldn't trade him, but you'd want to get rid of the, the, these other guys like Pele. Like, how many times did we all yeah. did we all say? Everybody that's been on this podcast, and in fact, pretty probably every podcast almost, the, said, look, don't leave yourself having to play guys like Pele or even just, you know, having two of those guys on your bench in front row forward because they can they can just be mud. And if you can, avoid any bench forwards if you can. And, and I think that we could this year. Uh, but obviously we saw Pele with a massive eight and that's that's the reason, you know, that could happen. It was a barnstorming note from nine minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, wrecking ball for nine minutes. <laughs> Uh, it's well. Look, that goes into my last point, and I'll just do that one quickly. And that is, um, at the moment, from what I can see from the round one teams now that they've all been unveiled to us, is I think that the battleground for super coach going into this round and for this early part of the season is going to be your front row forward and your centre wing, because that's where people have become most susceptible. Obviously, with the team builds that I mentioned, and it's also going to be the the, the point that I'm going to try and make up ground in. So I think that as a strategy, you know, what my takeaway was from round one, I want to get my centre wing better because I'm just looking at some of these scores and I can't take away too much out of these scores. But Alamoti, um, Khan Pereira, these type of guys all scored quite low. Um, and at the same time too, I just, you can't play them. I, I should have played a CNK, for example, on the weekend and I didn't. Uh, so I'd certainly think per se the battleground to differentiate teams looks like it's front row forward and centre wing. Looking at a lot of the teams, that seems to be the spots where you can really get a leg up at the moment early on. Yeah, that Russian roulette in the centre wing didn't do me any favours this week either. I, I'd seen Kay. I was happy with Taruba with his base of 39, didn't score anything, but um, that was acceptable. And yeah, Khan Pereira with his six effort. I mean, we're seeing guys as well panic with the uh, the highly owned players too, like Brian Toto. 
getting traded out quite a bit, for example, as well, and things like that. I, I'd be trying to get some of these guys in and, and mm. not trade them out. Uh, obviously, you can go to some better ones if you think, but just remember, you know, that's 35 points for Brian. It's only one week. Like, that's just, And that, people seem to get with the, the, the Panthers. It flogged down again in that game. Oh, the rate in the middle of it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it's like they're going about getting beaten St. Helens. St. Helens was an absolute quagmire that game. And then again on the weekend with the, the Broncos, it, it flogged down there for a period as well. They played, you know, that, <laughs> I wouldn't be panicking at all. No. So just in summary, don't panic trade. Have a bit of patience. Uh, make sure that you're not leaving yourself short, though, especially in your front row forward and, and having to play plebs. And your catch-up strategy for me, Barnsley's catch-up strategy is... Battleground is the centre wing in the front row forward spots. Make sure you've got good points that you're playing in those at the moment. And I reckon you can get on top of teams. But like I said, I went terrible per se. I'm probably not making any trades this week at all. I'm going to wait and see because we all need a bit more information and round two will give that to us. What about you? What were your big takeaways from round one, mate? Uh, First one happened in the first game, actually, with um, the, the Eels rotation, Brad Arthur's rotation of their bench which I found quite astounding, which if for Supercoach-wise affects their back row. With, um, it was pretty effective. Well, Hopgood played 84 minutes. I think um, Cardi played 84 and Dewey played 73. But they only made seven changes in that game. Hodgson played 84 as well. He made seven out of 10 interchanges. And Makaheshi Makatawa is probably the most experienced forward on that bench that didn't get on the field. <laughs> Looking at the... Um, Supercoach was that whole back row is supercoach relevant with all being cheap. He's Hopgood, Cartwright, and uh, Dory. Surely that doesn't stay the same. That sort of rotation, they lost. Surely that doesn't stay the same. It's a point they're looking at that. Um, people that are going to expect Hopgood to be playing 80 minutes every week and being the new Paul Gallon, I think you're sort of dreaming a bit there. Good cash cow, but. Um, I wouldn't be getting locked into that he's going to be some sort of superstar. But, but um, yeah, just for well, Paulo played 68 minutes. That's well. right. Yeah. Paulo played 68 minutes. RCG played 59. That's <laughs> yeah, for the first game of the season. No, Paulo had a good game, but like, normally guys like him work their way into the season. He's playing 69 first up. So that's just a very strange rotation. That's But the point there out of that game is I wouldn't take too much out of that. I think I can't see that being the same every week. Yeah, did you sort of get the feeling with the rotations that there was a lot more odd rotations than what we both expected but what you'd normally see? Because I kind of felt like there was at least three or four packs that were just like, wow, this is really strange. Like, I thought the Warriors was quite strange because they hardly played any of their forwards. Yeah, yeah, that was another one. Uh, Karen played 19 minutes. He's been their best forward the last couple of years. Yeah, see, and that's, that's weird. I, I think Ale and Bunty only played... 20 and 26 minutes or something like that. Yeah, and Harris played 80. <laughs> yeah, so there was, a, there was a few like that that you just don't understand. I mean, I didn't even understand the Roosters, what they were doing. with. I hated that he put Hutchison in the centres. And then on top of that as well, like you end up with Allen on the bench and then he doesn't use Allen. And then obviously that creates a lot of opportunity for everyone else. But we didn't know that until an hour before kickoff. I think... Your point's really valid about the minutes and stuff because I think that what's going to happen round two, you'll see coaches tweaking stuff and you're going to, you know, not be able to really put too much faith into those round one minutes and rotations, I reckon. Yeah, exactly, which brings me to the second point of um, thing I noticed on the weekend, the 
Yeah, it's sort of talking about those sort of minutes and uh, anomalies. It's like, um, is there, there a trend this week? Well, there certainly was for this week for the 80 minute lock to return. Is it an anomaly or is it a trend? I dare say it's an anomaly. You look at um, Hopgood at his 84, obviously. Josh King in that game played 81. Taylor Harris played 80. Yeah, always plays 80. Carrigan had 70. Murray played 80, which he's always going to do 65 to 80. But um, even Alex Twal, who wasn't even named at lock, was on the bench. Um, he came on, he started at 13 and played 68 minutes as well. Really bizarre, isn't it? Like, especially those late changes to play these guys big minutes. But normally, yeah, yeah. like you said with, with Junior Barlow, you see these guys have to play less minutes to start with because it's really hot, right? And they have to, they're just coming in from a preseason and just starting round one. Normally, these bigger forwards and these middles, they get less minutes and then they build that up. But it was, it was, I don't remember this happening really. No, we haven't seen the old 80 minute lock for a long time, especially round one. Um, which is sort of get to the point with guys like Josh King and that, that people probably look at him and go, oh, geez, he's scored 96 and 91 minutes. He's going to play that every week. We'll jump on him 92% and don't do it. <laughs> it's probably not sustainable, like both from a work rate and also from the minutes perspective. I don't think teams will be able to sustain. He started with bigger minutes last year and sort of faded away a bit, but um, Sims isn't back yet. He'll lead into his minutes when he is. Gamma Kamek is only out till round six, I think. So he might well play big. He's going to play 80 every week. That rotation for the Storm in that game was interrupted by uh, two HIOs, Coach going off injured and Munster going off injured. <laughs> so that rotation was all over the place. He'd probably get about 60 minutes, which is still pretty decent. Yeah, it's just not going to be a normality. It's, and then that's only going to be for a few weeks until the middle forwards come mm. back. So that's sort of something to sort of not get trapped into. So what was your second uh, big takeaway, mate? The, uh, the South right edge. That was in that game against the Sharks. They've just been um, always dominant left edge, but geez, they look good that right edge. And uh, Ilias, we were talking about Ilias in that uh, <laughs> in the the South preview and, and saying why is he seven percent owned? Maybe there's something you and I don't know. <laughs> he said he should have been not point seven percent owned, but geez, he key. That was the best game I've seen him play since he's been in first grade. We're going to talk about him in market watch because he is in the top ten most traded in, so he's going to be quite a controversial discussion shortly. But um, yeah, that was a takeaway for me that they they just went right all game, and geez, they looked pretty bloody good too with uh, Colin Matangi and Graham and Ilias on that edge. Yeah, they they looked really potent, and it's a it's a really good takeaway because I thought it as well, and I had. Big key on vibes from 2022, and I wanted him in my side again watching it. But uh, they, even the commentators were talking about how, oh, look, you always have to worry about South's left edge, Cody Walker attacking out there, Latrell loves sweeping out there, and then the right just looks so slick. So, yeah, I, I thought this, I thought the South looked very good uh, at times, but obviously still some improvement in them, which is a bit scary as well. Oh, for sure. And whether that was more... Um because they're playing the Sharks, and Sharks' left edge defence isn't that great. Um, Talakai got his pants pulled down a couple of times. So whether that was a pre-game trend to attack their left side or not, we'll wait and see in the coming weeks. But that was, yeah, they were very good, that right edge. Kemal mm. uh, Graham won 10 points as a third-best scorer as well, or equal second-best scorer, I should say. So let's go into the score breakdown because we already mentioned that Campbell Graham was the third-best score. Actually ended up with six scores that went 100-plus for the round. Uh, Daly Cherry Evans came out on fire with 119 to lead the way. 
Another Manly Seagull, Ruben Garrick, was equal second on 110. So Manly obviously ran right. They were pretty good scores for round one. Campbell Graham on his 110 was a good one. Then there's a few real anomalies, isn't there? Because I don't think anyone expected a Jermaine Osako 108, a Junior Barlow 103, and a Jermaine Hopgood 101. And I, I really, I got a single out Hopgood. He had 87 points in raw base, and he also had five offloads. Like, I don't, even with the minutes, you know, I don't think anyone could have thought that he could have possibly been that good at 13. But he, he threw up a work rate that I didn't think he was capable of. Uh, but also, I didn't expect him to be someone that would be able to throw the five offloads. And he he was my player of the round, I think, looking at the scores for the round. 101 from him, all from the middle and what he did, you know, aside from Barlow in front of him by two points. In the six 100s that were scored, he's the only one that's not a back. Oh, he was outstanding. <laughs> you sit there watching that first game of the year, just watching him. He just he tackled everything that moved. He was involved every time. He looked like every second run he was trying to offload. Um, yeah, great for Supercoach. And can I just say with these uh, next big scores, so the guys that were in the 90s that round out the top 10 scores of the round, all of them were such massive risk, not just um, whether it was to own them, which is Wade Egan, I'm looking at you with your 99 points, or with the other guys, uh, just how they did it. So Josh King got 96. We mentioned uh, him already with the 80 minutes plus. This is not going to happen. Harry Grant, though. I was a non-Harry Grant owner. He comes in with a 91. He scores a line break try to win a game in Golden Point when normally yeah. it's a field goal from someone. like That absolutely crushed non-owners like me. 30 of those points came in the 84th minute. <laughs> Ridiculous. And then you got Tommy Turbo. Look, I have to say, like 97 points is great. Everyone, everyone that captain him. I'm still trying to figure out how he came up with that 97. <laughs> Even forget about how he came up with the 97. Like This is what I'll be saying to people round three that are falling all over themselves to get him in. I, like, I, I certainly think that he's a trade-in, right? So I don't want to sound like sour grapes, salty barns. He doesn't have Turbo in his team. Not at all. But as a non-owner, I was watching very carefully. Now, number one, I didn't know how he got up to those points. But number two, he got pulled off, per se, with 20 to go. Like, if they didn't get an injury, yeah. Weeks was going to play out the last quarter of that game. Yeah, it was only the croaker went down with a HIA, so he had to come back on and Weeks went hooker. Yeah, so if you didn't watch this this game and you've got Turbo and you're thinking that, you know, it's a great score, he would have finished, on, he would have finished in the 50s and it would have been a, a Teddy-like score that he would have gotten had an injury not happened. So to me, that was actually a bit of silver lining where I sort of said to myself, well, hang on, look, I really hate that he came back because he got all these points. But, you know, another week, if they're up by a bit and they looked quite good, Turbo could be going off at the 60th minute. And that's that's a bit of a concern and not something that I suspected that Seabold might do, especially early in the season. Like, to me, a lot of the time you see coaches that if you've got a fullback or, or a spine player and they're fit, you generally play them, right? You don't normally rest them sometimes, you know, in the last five or 10 minutes. But I also kind of thought to myself, Perso, 20 minutes to go when you're up, what was it? Was it 28-10, I think they were up or something? Yeah, they still didn't score that last try at that stage. So. so it was only three tries in 20 minutes, which we all know in, in rugby league, you, teams can do that, right? Like I, I sort of thought maybe in the last five, you might do something like that. So I found that pretty interesting with Turbo. And he, I tell you, he wouldn't have got to near 97 if he ended up staying off. When he came back on too, he was cramping up and looked awkward that last sort of 10 minutes of the game as well. So he's definitely underdone, Turbo. Mm, 
Well, it's I wish we could say Manly again this week, but we can't. They had three of the top ten scorers though, and I think it's safe to say that it's obvious to say. But when Manly are firing, they have really good super coach scorers, and they're always near the top. So that's something to keep an eye on with the draw with a lot of Brookvale there, but some hard matchups. So not sure what way it'll go, but certainly starting off well with Seabold. Let's have a look at market watch now. We're going to move on to this round and see what teams are doing before we go in and, and preview the games briefly. So. Traded out players per so. Let's start here. Cameron Munster, number one most traded out player, 7.1%. Now, obviously, these numbers can change, everyone, but we're just going off Tuesday night, late Tuesday night, what the first reactions to TLT were. Munster makes complete sense. Uh, I I think it's hard to hold him. Uh, I especially think it's hard to hold him if there's guys like Adam Dewey that you don't have per so. Obviously, he's looking at three to four weeks. To me, that's too much money. But, you know, do you see any any reason that he shouldn't be the most traded-out player? No, nah, that's a pretty logical one. That That's um, unfortunate because he was well, – I think we talked about this too. He was like such a gun player that was almost a pod, but sort of 15 16% owned. And, uh, yeah, to go down round one, it's unfortunate. He still scored well for those guys that had him. But, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be sort of moving him on if I owned him. Just can't hold that sort of coin this time of the year. No, that's exactly right. Good advice. Uh, Matty Burton, number two. Uh, 6.5% of coaches are trading him out. Oh, I'm actually loving this because, look, I'm not going to guarantee Matt Burton does fantastic. Maybe he does dart out for the first couple of months of the season or something. But like, if, if you're an owner, you know what he can do and you know why you like him as a super coach option. He's going to show that. Whether it's going to take him another game or two, I don't know. But... Trading him out this early, I already said it, I think it's way too early. When you're having a look at the game, like the Bulldogs are absolutely shot. They weren't any good. Uh, Manly were red hot, I thought. And I just, I think that they're going to be better for the run. Like it, it, You can have these games from someone per se where it's just a bad game for everyone. It's a bad game for the team. And they bounce back the next week. You see it in rugby league all the time. 18 points is terrible. Uh, he missed six tackles in that game as well, which wasn't great. And th- this is something to remember too. With his scoring of, of 18 points, six tackles that he missed, four errors that he made, two penalties that he conceded. Like, he would have been 35 if he didn't make all these mistakes. It was just, it was a mistake-a-thon from him. And it's just, you write that off to a really terrible game. So, I mean, to me, that's a panic trade. Matt Burton out is a panic trade. You've only seen one game from him. If he plays terrible again, well, look, at least you've had another look. But in, to me, there's just as good a chance that Matt Burton comes out this week and, and throws up a 70. And, you know, I know he's playing Melbourne, but he's playing Melbourne without Munster, um, a Melbourne side that's going to be a bit under strength. He could do it. So I'm I'm happy to start him this week and have another look. I think that it's a bit of a knee jerk. I will also finish off by saying, even if Matt Burton doesn't score great this week, you know, these were always a, the harder couple of weeks for them. The two weeks after that to finish off their first month, they hit the Tigers and then the Warriors. And those are two far better matchups for Matt Burton. So, I mean, if he goes 18, 45, and then he goes 75 and 90, he's still going to average like 65 over that. So, you know, are, are you really that warranted to have traded him out priced at 57? And these are the sort of things that you really should look towards if you're going to punt a guy like Burton, I think. Yeah, you said that perfectly, really. I was never really that high on Burton. You know, I, I, but if you had him there, you've obviously picked him for that sort of reason. He's gonna, he's not going to score you 100 every week. You get these lower scores after one game. Like, 
you obviously looked at enough of his form to go, he had enough of those scores last year under 30. So you picked him and for a reason. You don't want to just punt him after one of those. At least have a second look. I think it's a lot of sort of panic trading. And who are you going to? If you've got Burton there, you would assume for your second, you've either got, if you were starting Burton, there wouldn't be too many that would have run Burton and Katoa. I think a lot are going to Dewey. That's a that's a popular trade, Burton to Dewey. Yeah, if I had Burton and I didn't have Dewey, I don't know, maybe, I, I suppose, but you still want at least another look, wouldn't you? Another week, at least. Mm. Brandon Smith at number three, 3.8%. He's been named this week, per se. I'm, I'm in a real dire spot because the, the place that I had risk in my team was Hooker because I went Smith and Sonny Luke. And, I mean, Sonny Luke looks sensational, but I don't have any faith in playing him. Brandon Smith, though, has been named now. Um, should that alleviate people's concerns or would you be worried that he's going to get ruled out and leave you short? Oh, I'd be worried that he's going to play. <laughs> 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 um, easy stinks to choose. Um, I've, I've got him as my second hooker. I want to get rid of him, but I, I think I'm going to hang on and just hope that he might go over New Zealand and have a decent game this week and might hold on for a bit longer. I really wanted to start with Cook and Grant. I'm sort of kicking myself that I didn't start with both of them and I, I took the cheese as one spot. Yeah, he got belted on the weekend a couple of times. It looks like he might have had a bit of an injury there, but they've named him. I don't <laughs> they're a bit battered and bruised. Well, look, I mean, that's the thing too that you've got to take into account with him when you're selling him. Like he had a HIA, what, five minutes in? And yeah. then he came back from the HIA and then at the start of the second half, he had his ribs busted yeah. and he had to go off for that. <laughs> Just smacked again. But um, yeah, so uh, he's definitely worth another look if you got him. I've, I've, I've held off rage trading, put it that way. Can I just say to this 3.8% as well, you know, he he plays in the New Zealand national team. He is playing against the New Zealand Warriors. He's a New Zealander. I think that he's... All his family's over all there. All his still. family's over there watching this one. Like, this is the type of game where you see him really musk up and, and go for that dive over from dummy half for a try. Like, I can fully see it happening. Um, so if he is healthy enough to play... Yeah, he's not going to have Kafusi shorten him up every week. Certainly not. Um, <laughs> but uh, fourth most traded is one of yours. So let's talk about the Tigers for a minute. Tommy Talao I was never big on. Uh, Three hundred one thousand he's taking up, and three point one percent of owners have just said enough. Um, so obviously he didn't score well. Had a score of nineteen points, and uh, look, I thought that he was a bit of a mistake. I can make a bit of an argument for some of these mid-centre wings or mid-front rowers because I think that maybe with a guy like Talao, if you can see that you've made the wrong decision and you sort of went against the grain of some other options and you went, no, actually, I stuffed that up. Like, if you really believe that you stuffed it up and you should have got a CNK or you should have got this other guy, I kind of understand doing that change up on those mids. Uh, the problem is that you've just got to be really careful because... As we all know, per se, you know, Tommy Talao's 19 this week can easily be CNK's 19 this week. Yeah, exactly. So that's the problem, isn't it? So how do you feel about a Tommy Talao out? You'd at least give him a second week, wouldn't you? Playing the Knights this week. The Tigers are beating the Knights pretty regularly, even when they got the wooden spoon. They won it beaten twice last year. Um, it's All these guys are never great options. You're just banking on them, getting a couple early tries, making some money, and then moving them on. Who are you moving him on to? None of the other guys really killed it, either a lot of cheaper guys. So I suppose if you had a Talao and you didn't have a CNK or you didn't have a Hammer, you might be making that trade. You can sort of understand that one a little bit. But um, 
I'd be giving him a second look at least. And if he tanks again this week, then yeah, make that trade. Now, here's one that I really don't understand at all. And I don't understand it even though he stunk it up and he gave me my worst ranking around one ever. Khan Pereira, I started him because I thought, you know what, if a bloke can score yeah, all four the tries in 20 minutes in a trial, what's he going to do to the Tigers? Uh, I thought he was good for crossing over for one against the Tigers. The right edge has been useless for years. I really thought that Titans-Tigers game would have been like a high-scoring sort of 30-24 to type affair. I thought defence would have gone out the window, but um, Tigers didn't deliver on that, unfortunately. I can only say that he live-scored six and got down-dated to five, so that was an extra kick in the nuts for everybody. Uh, Lost 20% of his points there. But you look at his work rate, all right, it all looks terrible. You know, he he missed two tackles. He had three errors. He conceded a penalty and he he ran the ball nine times. Now, again, it's similar to Burton. You know, there's a lot of errors in there that counted towards that, but his work rate was also very low. But if you were were worried, you know, about a bottom dollar cheapie not having enough work rate or needing to rely on tries as a winger to be able to do anything, then I I dare say it might be one of your first years in Supercoach. Like, this is what happens, guys and girls. You know, these wingers that are rookies that haven't played before, that are bottom dollar, uh, generally can be completely terrible one week and then score a Hattie the next. That's that's just what happens. And that's why we call it center wing roulette, right? So you can't trade these guys out. And I can't say enough times per se how many times over the last decade I've gone in and just had a, a Khan Pereira and I've absolutely hated it. He scored terribly even for two or three games. And I've gone, nah, I don't want him anywhere near my side. I don't care that he's bottom dollar. And then he scores a try. And then the money starts coming. And then he, yeah, then he scores a double. Works. And then he makes 200 <laughs> grand and everyone laughs at Barnsley. It, it's got to happen again. <laughs> you just you bench these guys, right? When they're a bottom dollar center wing, you've got the other bottom dollar center wings. It, it's just not worth doing the trade because you put him in there to make money. You've got to be patient with that because all these wingers, unless they lose their job, will make money. Yeah, exactly. You play, if Most teams will be playing at least one of them in their center wing. Just unlucky that we chose. I, I never thought I'd be um, ruining the day. I didn't play Heimel Hunt in my 17, Barzy. But, um... <laughs> it's calm. but uh, I think it's the first time for anyone, to be honest. Calm, that, co- <laughs> that cost me 47 points. But, um, yeah, it's you know, you'd leave him out. You don't trade him out. You sit there. It, it, the days, he'll score tries sooner or later. He'll get a double one week and more a try next week. All of a sudden, he's going to make all this coin. You might never even play him in your seventeen again. Which, which I wouldn't. Like I, I looked at it initially and went, oh, "I play him this next couple of weeks." He's out of the seventeen. He's lost his job at the Barnstormers. He's going to be playing playing New South Wales Cup, but he's going to be there, uh, so he can just sit there and make some money. But yeah, he'll make money at some point. Luke Garner two percent traded out. Now, I, I was a bit worried about Garner getting the minutes in the preseason. Uh, then Hosking was 18th, 18th man, and you kind of went, well, he looks pretty good now, and I almost put him into my side, but I didn't. I'm fortunate that I didn't. I understand why people are trading him out because I did not expect Luke Garner to take a minutes hit to the degree that he did. He ended up playing 50 minutes, nah. which was astounding to me. Jamin Salmon came on, which I just week, did not understand. We got a dog. Yeah. How do we get the weak gutter dog out there? Was, Ricky was up in arms. He's probably on the phone to Penrith saying, how did you give him game time? It's, uh, super coaches were shocked too, mate. I, I did not see that one coming. I thought with Hosking 18th man, he was safe as a bent garner. They talked up Luke Garner as well. 
it's a funny one. Like, is this one of the minutes anomalies where they go, actually, that was a mistake because we did see Salmon maybe not play the best. We also saw him have words with Luai afterwards and all of that. You know, do we maybe see Garner get 80 minutes this week? Like, it's really strange to me that they're only going to play 50 minutes. But if he plays 50 minutes, he's going to be an absolute dud. It's just not going to be enough work rate. He had 10 runs, 29 tackles, and scored bugger all for that. And he just he has to be on the field for 80 minutes to give him opportunity for clutch attack. If he's not on 80 minutes, it just doesn't give him enough time, and he scores a 36 like he did here. So do you have another look, Perso, or do you say, you know, someone like Ford's going to save me almost 200 grand? There's all these other guys that look pretty good. Even a Katoa doesn't save you very much, but looked a lot better and yeah. played 80. Do you just flip it over to the 80 minute guy? I probably would if I owned him. Um, that was a bullet I don't have to dodge, luckily, but th- that rotation was weird. I, I couldn't believe he played 50 and then Salmon came up at 30. I don't know whether he got a good old fashioned hook or what was going on there. If you own him, I suppose you'd probably watch one more week, but Ford looked really good and he's only 281k. He's going to get that 80 minutes on that left edge at the Warriors. So I'd probably flick him forward, to be honest, if I had Garner. So Sean Bloor, we spoke about in the preseason podcast as a massive trap. We spoke about it round one as a massive trap, and uh, he trapped a few. 2% of trading him out. That is a trade I would make. Ended up playing 18 minutes, um, got benched even though he had the 12 on his back. That's an easy out because we all know that Bateman's back next week or the week after. Um, we saw that 12 came in off the bench and started to play big minutes. It, it just doesn't seem like he's got a place. So certainly I think with the naming some other guys this week, you could probably substantiate trading him out. Um, Hayes Perham's an interesting one. I really didn't like Perham at 371000 I think I made the argument to you as well that as, as crap as the hammer is as an option, at least he's 40k less than Perham, um, and I'll take the money. Yeah, uh, I, I actually think the Perham is a good one. Like, and I think you know people might think that I'm backtracking or going against what I've said with this about you know giving guys more time. The difference between a Perham to me and say a Burton is that we know Burton's good. Like we, we've seen Burton do good things. We've seen Burton score well. He has a track record. A Perham has never done anything good. We, we've actually got no track record of him to say that he's ever been a good super coach option. And he's taking out money. And there's all these options that somebody that has a Perham might have missed that looked better. Um, so that's the difference to me. Um, but, you know, am I going against my rules here, Perso? No, I think that's, Perham could find himself in Reggie's in two weeks. Pedigree is a, uh, is a thing in Supercoach, and uh, Perham has never had it. He was always a risk if you took him. The way that I, I was never keen on him if I had him at that, because he's that uh, sort of the higher end, too, of those sort of wing guys. He's about 40K more than Hammer and CNK. Um, I'd be quite happy to move him on if I had him. That's not really a waste of trade, in my opinion. So maybe along to the last couple, um, Josh Adokara used as, as an example when we were talking about our big three takeaways um, and as one that I could understand people doing. He was He's always not much of an option. Uh, he's he's playing Melbourne though, which is a hard game, but it's also his old club. So you know you, you might want to get up for that, this one. But certainly, per se, there's there's much better centre wing options than um than the Fox as far as consistency and being able to play every week, not worry. So I do understand that one from a couple of percent of owners. Um, Tanner Boyd, though, I want your opinion on because he rounds out the top ten outs. And look, he scored a thirty five. Um, not fantastic, but I mean, surely you you knew at 384K, that a halfback or hooker backup is going to be 
a low score sometimes. Um, so, I mean, I didn't think that it was that unusual. You know, 35, it was still almost twice as good as Matt Purton. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I don't really know if I'd bother going sideways on that one. I guess some people might have decided not to start with Katoa and they can downgrade. That might be a popular mm, trade. Even so. Uh, trading to Dewey and finding the money, yeah, maybe. But it's, he's playing the Dragons this week. And this is what I struggle with most with Boyd going out. Like I would gravitate towards him being my last reserve against the Dragons just because I think the Dragons showed us in the preseason and certainly they're one of the favourites for the spoon that they can give up a lot of points. So, you know, it's to me, he could very well come out and score 75 this week, Tanner Boyd. So I'd be a bit worried getting rid of him when he's got this Dragons matchup looming. He's another one that I wasn't keen on and he's not my side, but if I had him, you know, I wouldn't punt him just after one week. Uh, for all the reasons you said, <laughs> who do you get a bunning to? So you'd at least want a second look, surely. Yeah, yeah I'll get a second look because it can make all the difference. If he punches out a 75, he's averaging 50, and that's well above his price point. And after round three, he's going to ma- start making a little bit of cash. And that's going to start. I mean, running. if he comes out and scores another 30 or this week and Elias puts on another 80, then bang, swapping. Yeah, over. just go chase that cash. Yeah, off. exactly right. Yeah. And look, this is the thing, too, right? That everybody forgets, including me. As shit as a round one score can be for any of these guys, it only lasts one week of price rises and it's gone. It's going to last the least amount of time is going to be the round one score and the rolling average for the price changes. So, you know, round two, you're going to get the benefit of that for a couple of weeks, but round one, it's just one week. So Burton's a good example that, you know, that 19, it's going to drop out. So he might lose a bit of cash after round three. And then all of a sudden he's going to have a low break even again, if he goes, okay, that third game. So you got to remember, you know, the round one price rise, it get, goes out very quickly per so. But traded in players, Jermaine Asako is number one. You wanted to know who these centre wings were getting traded out to. I can tell you right now, it's future immortal Jermaine Asako. <laughs> 12% trading in, 383,000. Um, I was fairly astonished to, and like, I, I don't, I never bag out other podcasts at all, especially probably one of the best podcasts out there in the Supercoach playbook, and I'm certainly not now. I'm going to give it a compliment sandwich. I can't believe that there was a quote saying, is he, is he just about a must-have, Jermaine Osako? Like, no, he's nowhere near a must-have in my opinion. If he um, comes out and scores four tries this week and he's going to break even at 200 next week, then, yeah, he might go into that must-have category. This is a pure cash grab that you're going to grab and punt him off again. <laughs> oh, I can't go near him. He's just scored two line breaks and two tries. You know, that's that's great. He looked pretty good. That's good. But they they trounce the Roosters. Yeah, there's, there's every chance that the Raiders beat them this week and that they get, don't get past 10 points and Osako isn't a part of that 10 points. Like Perso said, like with a lot of these options, if they were bad options before and they've had a blinder or they look like they've got a much better role, see what they do in round two. If Jermaine Osako is going to have... I'm not even going to say throwback year because I don't even think that he had a throwback year to throw back to. But if he has a um, a career year suddenly, you know, he scores an 80 this week, then get him in because you're going to look at everybody next week and look at all the negative break-evens. And you can boost to get three negative break-evens in. Exactly. If he scores, he goes out and scores another two tries this week and he's got a massive break-even, negative break-even, and you've got guys like couple of duds that you're not happy with with those cheap guys we were talking about. Yeah, bring him in for a cash grab, but certainly you wouldn't jump the gun and grab him this week. Especially I've seen some turbo for the Sarko trades. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> just let's, just, let's just talk some positivity here. Jermaine Hopgood, well done to the 7.9% of coaches training him in. He is as much of a must-have as you have in Supercoach. You must have Jermaine Hopgood. And I think that he was pretty much there in the preseason, but he's 100% a must-have. He should be 100% owned by the time kickoff happens for the Parramatta Eels. He well and truly has the, the price. He's got the job security, and we just saw him bust out an amazing workload, but you know what? If he only gets 60 minutes, it doesn't really matter. He's still going to be really good. He could be one of these guys, Perso, that if you don't jump on now, you end up with egg on your face later because you end up paying 500K for a keeper. Uh, and he might be someone that you end up just holding in your secondary forward. He might go from being a cow to a keeper. And we've seen that happen with some cashies before, notably with the Fords, Angus Crichton and Bateman. Um, went from being cows to becoming keepers in the same seasons that they got to start. And Hopgood looks like he could be on his way to that as well. So you absolutely should be getting him in. Oh, 100%. He's, um, he's the biggest must-have for a long time, I think. Even uh, if his minutes go down a bit when Madison comes back, just the price is at now and what he's producing going to be one of the better cows this year for sure. 80s raw base plus five offloads. In 84 minutes, you know, translate that down to 60 minutes if you want. It's still roughly a 60 raw base and three offloads. Like he's he's going to be very good. Uh, Adam Dewey's number three on the list. Uh, so Adam Dewey threw up a nice score of 89 points on the weekend. Um, we saw him. We saw him do everything really. Um, he had a good try assist that I was really impressed with. But I was glad that he was running at the line as well. He got a nice line break try too. And really just did everything like we knew he could. Um, Through bullet, some bullet passes that didn't come off as well that looked great. Uh, and obviously was goal kicking too. So that 89 points had everything in it, including six tackle breaks. He's not a must-have per se, but I was speaking glowingly in the preseason about him and all the numbers he threw at round one said, you know, it was all warranted. And if I'm going to trade in a gun this week, uh, he'd certainly be the number one gun for me. Oh, I agree. We were both pretty high on him through the offseason. He was one of my first picked under Price Gun. He's just going to deliver. That's if if you that's if you had Munster, you're trading to Dewey for sure. If you had Burton, you'd probably hold off if you didn't have Dewey. But um, yeah, Dewey should be on everyone's radar. I think he'd be one of the higher owned guns before too long. He's just that type of player. He's just going to keep racking up points. Another guy that racked up points on the weekend. Your favorite trap of the year, the hammer. But, he uh, uh, ended up surprising. I have to. Well, even his base surprised me. I'll have to. Put, I'll put my hand up there and put the egg on my face. He, his base base attack was like forty five or something. Yep. I think from when I looked at it. So, I mean, look, it's it's one of those things where we, like we said, it is only one game. He might score seven next week. So <laughs> he may very well do, and that's the thing. That's why waiting and seeing is is great. Um, I wouldn't necessarily jump on him straight away either. I, I think you could definitely wait on the hammer until next week. But well, this is where the test Canberra and Canberra. Oh, it's up uh, Redcliffe, actually, sorry. They're playing, yeah, so it's in Queensland again. They'll, they'll probably get up for that again. So He did have a line break try assist and a try in there with three tackle breaks. So, you know, his attack was, was well and truly there. But like you said, Perso, he had 20 runs. Yeah. And we don't normally see that from him, do we? So uh, No, that was, that was always the concern with him. So if he can repeat that again this week, then I'll be happy to say I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong with the hammer and um, get him in for a cow. Number five, uh, Caelan Ponga, one of the few bright spots in my team. And I mean, look, 
to be honest, 5.3% of coaches are trading him in. It puts him out of pod territory now at 13% ownership if that sticks. But even though it was a bright spot per se, 72 points, I can't really crow too loudly about it. And it probably says a lot about my round if that was my bright spot. But he scored that 72 points in Supercoach. But in real life, how he got to those points, I thought he looked quite good, especially the first half. Uh, I thought he was pretty involved in stuff. And also, if he didn't have to get that HIA too, he would have scored better. I was disappointed he wasn't kicking. They've done this before at the Knights where it goes a couple of games and Ponga doesn't kick and then he starts kicking again out of nowhere. So we can always have hope for that. But I still like him as an option. He does have the Tigers this week, although away, but still um, not a bad matchup. And Newcastle has that good early draw. So if you've already got Adam Dewey and you went for a Dewey-Munster combo, uh, I can see why 5.3% of coaches are training him in and a lot of those people are probably going to Ponga from Munster. Yeah, that's probably what's happening. Um, Ponga, he looks good at 5.8. I've got no problem with him there at all. I just worry about their middle forwards. Their middle forwards look terrible on the weekend. They look terrible in both the trials. The Solifredi brothers just a pair of plotters. They turn up when they play Origin and they get selected like, Jacob Seifert, got selected from nowhere, and that was the best game he's ever played in that third origin last year. He never played anywhere near that good again. So that sort of affects Ponga's ability and attack. But um, I think he'll go all right, Ponga. He looked good on the weekend. It's just, yeah, that, <laughs> that HIA was... Probably gets to 80 points. Yeah, the HIAs are a worry. And, I mean, that was the thing. He would have gotten to 80 if he was um, on the field for the 80 minutes as well. But I think they're just going to pick him every time. He looks like he grabs his ear. They're going to extend him for a HIA. Well, surely they coach him just to start grabbing his ankle or something. Uh, Josh King, number six. We've been pretty positive for a number of these trade-ins per so. I think we've liked most of them aside from Osaka. Huge What trap. a massive trap Josh King is. 460,000. There is all these other middle for mid Fords that are priced at that sort of 300k to 500k range. That there's so many that you could pick from. And Josh King just he obviously scored great, like, there's no getting around it. But is he going to play 84 minutes every week? Like, it just seems. And I'll, I'll go one step further. You know, he scored 96 points, right? Forget about the minutes for a second. The other thing that he's got in those stats there line break try assist. Right, that's going to happen pretty rarely for him. He's not going to get very many line break tries. So you take that off him, and you put his minutes down to sixty, and you know it's okay, but it's like fifties territory, and that's serviceable. If he was a front row forward, it would be decent, Um, but if you're putting him in your second row forward, there's far better options with better upside than that. So don't get carried away about the one score. In my opinion, I think too many people are training in Josh King when there's all these other options in your second row forward, but you know, do you see a place for him at all or you you think he's just a massive trap? Nah, huge trap. He wouldn't have even played um, the 81 minutes on the weekend if it wasn't for the injuries and stuff and the HIOs that Storm had. At the moment, with a few troops out, he might push 60. As soon as Sims and Kamakamuka are back, um, yeah, it's 55-60. He's... he's 55, 60 minutes, he normally pushes out about 50 points. He doesn't have a great PPM through that time. I just think, yeah, people are getting excited about the 81 minutes on the weekend and 96 points, which was had that one-break try assistant. And I, yeah, couldn't go, couldn't go near him. Lachlan Elias, we mentioned this before. Now we're going to have to talk about it. We both thought it was astonishingly strange, I think we put it, 
that seven percent of coaches <laughs> have put Elias in their team at three hundred sixty-three thousand seven hundred. He comes out. Absolutely slays it, scores 85 points, looks better than what he has ever done. And I did say this about him along with every other young player that looked like a poor option. They are young. So, you know, at the very least, they could mature, they could develop a lot, they could come out and, you know, get heaps better. Uh, He had a blinder. He had a very impressive game. He looked a lot better. And I agree with what you said at the start of the podcast. He looked significantly better. That 85 points, um, I would even say they looked better than the 85 points, to be honest. He did it without running the ball. Um, so that's probably the one danger with him. He ran the ball four times, but he had one try assist, two line break assists, and a line break try himself. You know, it, it was the perfect game for him. Um, the other thing, too, was that defensively he was quite brave a number of times. Um, oh, he was He drilled a couple of guys, too. And meant that he only missed two tackles, uh, and he's, he's someone that got targeted quite a bit last year. Made no errors, conceded no penalties. So you talk about the perfect game. He could not play better than that. So I understand people, you know, getting turned on by how good Ilias looked. And I will not eat humble pie, but I will slice it per se. I'm going to cut a piece. I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> I might eat it next week. We'll see. But Slice it and put it in the freezer. We'll, we'll put it in the freezer. We'll defrost it with some Sierra Lee classic vanilla and we'll eat it next week if he scores another 85. But absolutely everything went right for Ilias. That's the point of all those numbers I just recited. Now you can look at that and go, wow, he's, he's coming into his own. And he's going to become a gun. Or you could be pessimistic and say, well, you know, he's getting better, but everything went right. That's not going to happen all the time. And for me, that's sort of what it's going to be. He will be better than what I thought potentially, but he's going to, if he runs the ball four times this week and doesn't find the attack or it goes left a lot, because you're right, maybe they targeted that right-hand side. Then all of a sudden you're looking at 26 points. And, and that's going to be an issue. So have to have a look at him for another week, especially jumping off a Tanner Boyd or something. Wait another week because their scores oh, will probably just completely reverse with each other from what they were in round one. And Souths have got the hideous draw too. They've got the worst draw out of any team in the comp. So as good as Ilias played in the weekend, you wouldn't just rush him in your side. You'd at least want another look, two looks, three looks. But, uh, yeah, I, he looked really good. That was the best game I've seen him play. So, put your hand up. He might be a bit more super catch relevant than we thought this year. But um, he's oh, certainly, even after that performance, you couldn't rush him in the side. Coming up against Nathan Cleary, what a litmus test this week to see whether he's really there or not. But uh, Charles Nickel Clockstart was one of the first center wings that I picked. Definitely the, the number one guy I rated in my center wing mid-range guys. Um, probably should have kept the hammer there, but I got rid of him for a cheapie. He, he played well. He obviously scored a try, so that's, you know, maybe inflates it a little bit. But, you know, 70 points, um, I thought that he looked pretty solid. He was running a lot, which is what we want from CMK and what we used to see from him. But in this Warriors side, you know, he could score a few tries. So 70 points in round one. Um, I can see why teams are trading him in if they missed out because maybe they went to Talao or something. That probably makes sense to me, Perso, because I certainly think that CMK is going to outscore someone like Talao. Yeah, he looked the best of the um, the center wing fullbacks that are available at center wing, those sort of mid-cheapy ones. Even better than Hammer, I think. But he's going to have a better base consistently. So he, his base and base attack was sort of just below 50, I think, when I looked at it, and uh, that try. So, yeah, oh, he's going to make some coin. Important to note, too, that you never line break with that try. So, I mean... He... Yeah, yeah, that's right. He was backing up, so... Yeah, he had three tackle breaks and two offloads. 
and 19 runs. So, yeah, that base-base attack um, was right up there, and that's what you want. Pretty solid. All right. The last couple. Jackson Ford, 281,000. I am torn on this person because I don't have Jackson Ford. I am annoyed that I don't have him. I looked at my side and went, I'd be wasting a trade if I traded anyone to him at the moment. Um, Certainly next week, uh, and this is the value of, of looking at this week, I think, you know, I'm looking at a Liero and going, well, if he scores poor this week and, you know, throws up 35 or something, I'll save the 100K and go to Jackson Ford. But I'd like to see Jackson Ford play 80 minutes again this week. Uh, and I'd like to see another game of Liero uh, because really those are the sort of options that people are going to have to look at to get to a Jackson Ford. Sonny Luke, the 10th most traded in. Um, I was struggling to see what people were doing with this. So 2.4% of coaches. And I, I feel like that it's... <laughs> well, I think it's like a cult status trading. Like, he's just such a likable player. Like, I loved it on the weekend. I thought that he absolutely changed the whole complexity of how Penrith looked was different when he came on the field. He's only an 8% of teams, and he came in and scored 59 points in 25 minutes. Obviously, that includes a line break try, but he, he looked very sharp to me. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't play more minutes, and I said that on Twitter. Uh, but look, we don't we don't know that, so why don't you have a look? Like I already own him. Uh, I think that a lot of people are also going Tanner Boyd down to Luke, and then you know just playing with one hooker basically seems very risky. You know, what if Sonny Luke gets twenty two minutes this week? You know, we aren't Coach Cleary here. Uh, all of us would like to play Sonny Luke forty five fifty minutes at a minimum. Maybe it doesn't happen though. You know, and you save yourself that trade because. He's not going to score a try every week. If he plays 25 or sub-25 minutes, then he very well could be looking at a score of 22 points or something this week. And then that's going to even out. If you didn't say that punt that he was going to get minutes off the bench and you started with him from round one, there's no way in the world you'd be trading him in this week. No, yeah, you have to wait and see what Cleary does. He he could be a great trading next week. Like. He might come oh, out and have 50 minutes, but you've got to wait. And see, surely so. you've got to have another look this week, surely. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, – I love Sonny Luke. I think he's going to work out, but I couldn't give advice to get him in this week, even as a downgrade to free up money for something else. I think that you have to wait. So, look, let's get to the games first. So we've gone through a lot of market watch, but I think that's important because the early round trading is critical uh, and there's a lot of different things that happen. and. A lot of crazy stuff it does to super coaches' heads when they make some decisions, including me. So, you know, I'm not cancelling myself out of these bad decisions. I'll probably make some soon too. But it's important to talk through all the trades and stuff. Let's talk about the games. So Panthers-Rabbits is a Thursday night game. Um, Absolute cracker on Thursday night. Really looking forward to this one. Probably first off, as far as plays of those sort of mid-price sort of guys go, and this is one of the reasons why I wouldn't want to trade in like a Lachlan Ilias because any of these mid-price guys, like Isaac Thompson, Lachlan Ilias, um, Michael Cheekham has become a little bit popular as well. None of these mids I'd want to play in this. Um, maybe Taruva because his base looked pretty good, uh, but that would probably be the only mid-price sort of guy that I'd be playing in this one. I'd be benching just about everyone else. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh Oh, this will probably be a tight game like the first Panthers game was. So it should be a cracking game, I think. Latrell and Cleary are the two big guns in this one. Um, Thursday night game, prime VC territory. Latrell's under a bit of an injury cloud. 
Mm. A PCL strain in the last week. So hasn't trained this week. He's been on the the recovery side of things, giving him up to the last minute. That'd be a massive out, I think, if he doesn't play. Yeah, if Latrell Mitchell doesn't play, what I'd probably say with this one that's, that's most relevant for the gun talk and the captaincy vice captaincy talk for super coaches, if everyone casts a memory back a year, when Latrell was out at the start of the season for the Rabbits, the Rabbits stunk. They they weren't any good. And certainly guys like Cody Walker underperformed uh, and that could happen this week. Latrell Mitchell could be out. And if that happens, I see Nathan Cleary as a much better uh, VC option than what he looks at the moment. So I think that he's a good option to VC being the Thursday night game. You've got a lot of options to be able to loop that. Um, and also kind of feel, you know, back at Bluebet Stadium this week, per so Cleary's coming off a score in the 50s in Supercoach. He didn't look good versus St. Helens. I kind of feel like that it's a statement game, getting ready for him against a big gun in the Rabbitohs that are by many punters' choices a favourite to make the grand final this year. So I'm really feeling a clear resurgence, um, doubling last week's score and going 100-plus, I reckon, is a chance if Luttrell is out. Oh, massive chance. It's a fair chance even if Luttrell plays. I think the Panthers surely get a dry track this week and um, they'll have a point to prove. They'll be scorned a bit. So um, to finish off on the talk for this one, um, looking at the guns, the gun highlight for this one that I'm going to say as a pod uh, is going to be my boy Campbell Graham. He's expensive. That's the problem with Campbell Graham, 664000 He's coming off 110 points. He's not going to score a double every week. 3% own, though, per so. And how he got those points, very Campbell Graham-like. You know, he obviously had the two tries and two line breaks, uh, three line breaks, actually. But yeah, he's always got the good base and the good base attack. He had the 15 runs, the five tackle breaks, and he's just he's going to have that rock solid base base attack there. Can you take the punt on somebody like him at six hundred sixty four k though? I think it's a real big balls pod. But if they keep going right and they got their full side and Latrell's playing, um, yeah, maybe Campbell Graham starts off on fire. I, I couldn't do it. I wish he was a hundred k less. Uh, but he's probably the backline option in this one. He's a great option. He's just so consistent, Campbell Graham. I had him last year for most of the season. He just before he got, and then he got injured and I had to trade him out. And he was not getting much ball last year. If they're going right this year on top of his base, well, he's getting his 60 every week just in his base and base attack. He gets the odd attacking stat and then we go to the roof. And then on the weekend, it all went right. And he, yeah, he's such a good player too. So you could definitely take a fun on him. I'd, he'd, I'd, he'll be one of the top five centre wings this year for sure. I've got no doubt about that. Eels versus Sharks, um, not a lot of team news with both of these sides, largely unchanged. Obviously, Hines is still not here. Look, I would be playing all my Eels mids, I think. Um, the, I guess the big question, about, like I, I've got Bryce Cartwright. I was really impressed with his 59 points last week for 80 minutes. Obviously, you're going to play a hop good. Matt Dory, I guess, is the outlier in this one when you're deciding who to sit in the start. Uh, Dory didn't go well last week, played 73 minutes. Do you give him another go against his shark side, or do you sort of do you start seeding him and playing other ones? It is at Combank Stadium again for the for the eel side. Oh, if I had Dory, I'd probably sit him. If you had Dory, you'd be your what your fourth or fifth, sixth, second row forward. So I'd probably be sitting him. Uh, like you, I was quite happy with Cartwright. I'd be quite happy to play him again this week. That he scored quite well. I think Cardi will hold that spot too. When Lane comes back, he'll switch to the right-hand side and Dory will be gone. 
Cartwright's normally a, um, a right side player. I'm pretty sure he was going to be that right edge forward for the Eels. So um, that's something to think about in the future. But yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to play Cartwright in your side, especially this week. You've got Turbo fullback and he's not playing. So you've got to come up with a, one of your guys to come in on your bench. Uh, I think Cardi's a pretty solid option. And what about the uh, guns in this one, mate? Do you see any that are going to be worthy for a slide VC as the second game from this Eels or Sharks? I don't, I don't think the Sharks really have any big guns that you can look at, but certainly in the Eels, I think a few people started off with a Dylan Brown or Mitchell Moses uh, as a bit of a pod for the Moses factor especially, and Moses got in the teens again last week at the big 17 points. Do we bounce back this week against the Sharkies? Is it is it worthy of a VC pod choice? Uh, probably not. It'd be, geez, it'd be a big balls one. <laughs> That's for sure. If you had Gatho, I, I might put a VC on Gatho. That'd be my pick, but I don't think anyone's got Gatho. So, yeah, couldn't be looking to VC option there, that can No, look, I, I've got a good feeling that Sevo might go for a couple of tries against his Sharks side. Um, I think that the, the South Sydney Rabbitohs in week one showed that the Sharks are looking a little bit susceptible, but I don't think you can buy any of these guys for Supercoach. Um, how do you see this one going for me? I, I think that I've got the Eels getting away with this one, and I, I'm worried for the Sharkies that it might even be a 13-plus. Yeah, uh, compact stadium. I'll, I'll go with the Eels on that. Everyone, make sure you start off good. <laughs> <laughs> Broncos, Cowboys, Suncorp Stadium. This should be a cracker. The, the amount of one-point games has been very well spoken about. But for the super coach options, I mean, uh, one thing that's the big watch for this one, um, Payne Haas and Carrigan, um, they're two potential gun trade-ins for this one because, as we know, with the Fords, it's not really going to affect them if it's a tight one. Uh, and with this Broncos side, it's it's unchanged aside from Reese Walsh coming in, and Walsh is obviously going to have a, a positive impact. I am very keen to see if we get 68 minutes from Carrigan and 60-plus minutes from Haas again. Both of them scored phenomenal. Um, Payne Haas, 79 points. Look, I, I I won't lie. I looked at going like a Ryan Sutton to Payne Haas just because of the, um, the banked points of the big scores if he's going to get consistent 60-odd minutes. Um, both of those guys look like good trade-ins for this one if you're on the lookout for a forward gun or if you didn't have one and you need one. Um, those would be probably my targets for this game. Yeah, 100%. Haas, Kerrigan and Cotter for the exact, that exact same reason. If you just want that sort of 65 to 70 each week and bank the points, if you don't have them, they're, they're locked in. If you started with a Tino or a Tarpano, I couldn't. I really couldn't begrudge trading one of those guys out to Haas, Kerrigan or Cotter. Uh, Scotty Drinkwater got two tries last week and couldn't break 60 points. Um, very disappointing, but I will say that he didn't have any line breaks with those either. Um, Val Holmes, on the flip side, ended up getting one clutch attack stat with his assist, but his base was actually quite good, and he ended up getting 60-plus, um, which was surprising for me with no try line break. These guys, obviously, you're going to have to play them, um, but I don't think that there's any way that you could VC any of these guys or see any of these guys. I, I assume that you're expecting a pretty tight affair again, like you normally would with the Cowboys-Broncos derby. Yeah, especially with both, both sides defended last week. This would be a cracking game of footy, I reckon, but you could see both sides maybe not even cracking 20 points. So I don't really think there's a VC option. Jeremiah Nanai, uh, I know that there was a 
few pretty astute coaches that were keen to jump on him last week. I actually think that he could go all right this week, Perso. Uh, I know that everyone's really disappointed in his score, uh, but he's got these low ones in him. Obviously, at the price, he's not giving you much back, but I can see him going over for a try this week and, and being a pretty good play. I've seen a few coaches start to jump off him. You don't see him in the top 10 most traded out because, obviously, he's he's quite pottish. He's only, I think, 7% owned still. Uh, if you had him, there's no way you'd trade him here. No, the, the Broncos' edges are, are always very susceptible to letting in some points. So you know, And the cow's draw opens right up after this week too. Yeah, I, I actually I don't own Nanai. He's caught 27 points last week, which is really ordinary. Uh, hardly ran the ball at all, but I'd be backing him over for a line break try against the Broncos, I reckon. Uh, how do you see it going, Perso? I've got the Cowboys actually in an upset in this one. Oh, I think the cows are good, eh? I think they'll just have a bit too much, but I've been expecting a, a great game. Broncos looked pretty good last week. Attack might have been a little bit clunky, but defensively they were really good. That first 30, 40 minutes of the Cowboys' first half last week, they were on fire. Jeez, they look good. I'll be back in the Cows. The Roosters' Warriors is the next one. Um, interestingly, like you mentioned, Smith has been named, but we've got Fletcher Baker starting. So it's a bit of a cheapy watch on Fletcher Baker. He came on as 18th man last week. Lodge is going to be out for four to six weeks. So it's a big watch on how they distribute those minutes. We do have Turpin back on the bench with Drew Hutchison, which was a late change last week. But Hutchison is on the bench rather than starting. So it'd be interesting to see what role Hutchison plays. Uh, last week, he went in on the centres. Um, that put Allen to the bench. But Allen's out of this side now because Joseph Manu returns. So now that they've got their backline intact, per so, um, I know that I flagged with you when we were chatting. I was interested in what sort of role Hutchison would play because he's played as an edge back rower so much in the past. And I, I just don't know what the role is when you've got someone like Jake Turbin who's going to go into hooker and you can't just not give him minutes or, and Robbo doesn't do that sort of stuff. So I know that you disagreed with me when we had a bit of a chat about it and he might go into Ian Butcher's edge or something like that. How do you sort of see that playing out though? Because obviously he's not going to go in the back line this week and he's not going to go into hooker either. So... It just seems like he needs to be left right out or he's going to have to be used as an edge back rower. Yeah, with um, with Turpin. And, well, Turpin was a sneaky in last week too, wasn't he? So, uh, and RJ went to Sano, as you said. Uh, or you, it, mate, he could quite easily spell one of the butcher boys on the edge. He's there for more than just a utility, obviously. They've got a couple of options they could have gone that way. Uh, they are pretty thin at the moment, the Chooks. They have a bit of injury in Interesting that Wong hasn't been there. Hacho's still there. It's, a, it's an interesting bench, isn't it? Turpin, Hacho, White and uh, May. So obviously White and May will punch a bit through, through the middle. But um, when Turpin came in last week, I thought that was a, a death knell for Chile's going to He's going to play through the middle as well. So, But yeah, Hacho definitely could take minutes off Butcher. The other important thing sure. with this one too is that if... Radley gets ruled out because he's still got to go through the concussion protocols. She's going to lock and turf and starts for sure. Yeah. That scenario. Yeah. Oh, well, the other scenario as well is that they might end up um, then putting Wong on the bench and throwing yeah, throwing yeah, yeah. someone at 13, like a, a white or a May at 13 or something like that. And if that happens, then that's going to be scary as well because their, their extended bench, like they've got Ben Thomas, Sandon Smith, Sarah Wong and um, Zarkham. They're, I don't think that they're going to put anyone but Wong on that bench. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting rotation. It's why you're probably better off from waiting to see sort of what happens. But where would you be at with the Negan Butcher? Because I know a lot of people were disappointed. 
got to remember that that game was riddled with injuries and people going off for HIAs, and he went to the bin for 10 minutes as well. Scored a 36, um, just didn't have the running work rate. Like um, Nat Butcher got all the runs. Egan wasn't getting the runs on the um, left-hand side. Do you start Egan this week? I mean, if you're going to keep him, you could keep him and not play him because of all the other secondary forward options. But obviously, like you said, some of the Warriors forwards look susceptible. So it's a bit of a quagmire, isn't it, with this Roosters forward pack on what you do this week? Yeah, if you had, I mean, you, oh, it was pretty unlucky. Well, you got that 10 in the bin plus the penalty for it. So, you know, that Oddie's almost pushing 50 without doing anything. Uh, if you had him, I'd probably punt to play him against the Warriors and then see what see what happens from there this week. If he's not scoring as the way you want, then there's plenty of options to move on from. Importantly, it's at Allianz Stadium as well, so they're not playing in New Zealand. And look, for, for all the, you know, Roosters ruined my week and everything in real life and in Supercoach, you know, they <laughs> they still had some decent scores. Nat Butcher had 64 points. Sam Walker had 62 points. And I actually thought Sam Walker looked very sharp. I thought in a beaten side, he did some really good things. Um, so I tend to think that this week will go a lot better. Tupo I had as well for 49 points, but he made a couple of mistakes and one of them cost him a try that he normally would have scored. So I'm expecting a bounce back per se, but does that mean that Teddy's going to score more than 51 points? Well, I'd say Teddy will be around about the 80 point this week. Yeah, I'm tossing up with MV seeing or seeing. You know, obviously I'm a bit gun shy because of last week, but the positive thing is that I think that a lot of people are going to jump off the captaincy of Teddy because of last week. Um, I guess the problem is that there's a lot of Teddy Turbo owners and they can't captain Turbo this week. So, you know, maybe it's a... It's uh, funny the old Turbo, uh, the Tedesco, stood up and saying that he's only, in round one, <laughs> he's only scored over 39 once in, since he's been at the Chalks. In uh, round two, he's only gone less than 80 once oh. since he's been at the Chalks. And that was a 52 in... So 84, 111, 84, 52, and 113 are his last five round two scores. Oh, slap the C on him right now. It's done. It's done. Turbo C. I think that a few people will, will keep off him because of last week's performance, which really... Yeah, 100% they will, which means he could be a bit of a pod C, the old Teddy. Yeah, and he, he, considering the side lost so badly, you know, 51, it, it's really not that bad a score. You mentioned the Warriors uh, with their forwards struggling a little bit. Uh, I think when you're having a look at their minutes, it's going to be the key here. Barnett only played 49 minutes. He was hugely popular, but, you know, he had a line break in there for that score. It's just not near good enough at 49 minutes to to be excited about him. But obviously, Tohu Harris is a big one. I've seen a fair few coaches, veterans, jumping on Tohu Harris this week because he played 80 minutes, 51 tackles, 18 runs. He had the assist as well. It's it's a very Tohu workmanlike performance with a little bit of clutch attack thrown in there. If he gets 80 minutes again, he he's going to be a huge option to get into your teams. But oh, I don't think he's going to get 80. I think it's going to go back down to 60-odd minutes and then he's not going to be near as enticing. But do you obviously you're going to play him if you own him per se against this Roosters outfit, but they're very thin in the middle as well, so he could go well. But do you just buy him? You know, do you do you just um do what some of these veteran coaches are doing and just bank on him getting big minutes still and just put him straight in your side? I don't think he's going to be a bad option. Uh, I'm not rushing him into my side, though, either, for that same reason. I just look at last week. Karen 
Only got 19 minutes. And that was spilling the core on that edge. In the um, the trials, current did come on for Tahu and play in the middle as well. So I couldn't jump on him straight away. If I, <laughs> he's a good option. Don't get me wrong. He's getting one of those staple guys. So like he'll, he's a he's a solid, solid as the day is out. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'm not rushing him in. He scored a 77 raw base last week. 77 in raw base. 640,000 front row forward, second row forward. If he plays 80 minutes again, it's a massive option. Um, I need to see it to believe it. Exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm going to wait and see. But, geez, he's a great play this week if you got him, uh, if he's going to be playing 80 minutes. Uh, Nakore in this one only played 61 minutes, though. So he was the opposite end of everything, right? Like you had the elation of the owners that had Tohu Harris in their side for 80 minutes. And then the Nakore owners were wondering what was going on, that their guy was the one in the forward pack that got short-changed and he only played 61 minutes. That's because he got spelled by Karen. Yeah, and, and like you said, Curran only did 19 minutes, which is really low for him. I actually thought that Nakore was going to rotate into the middle and, and take Tohu's 13 jumper, and Curran would come on for probably 40 minutes or something like that. Um, and yeah, but that didn't happen either. It's I wouldn't play Nakore this week. Um, in fact, I would I would maybe even consider not playing a forward, although he looked quite good last week. Um, it's a bit hard with these mids because I say that person on face value and what they did last week with a 59 and a very underwhelming 37 from Nakore. But, you know, in saying that, my Roosters boys, their pack is very, very thin. Um, and the bench players that they're going to have, you know, the forward rotation is going to be tough. They're starting Fletcher Baker in the middle. Uh, Victor Radley could get ruled out as well, which leaves them even shorter. So maybe these forwards are really good players from this Warriors side. Yeah, exactly. Just take a, a look at the, the last minute um, teamless, I suppose. The, the Chooks would be quite thin. When, when's um, Hargrove's back? I thought he was going to be back this week, but he's not even in the lot. So that back injury might be a bit worse. It's meant to be this week, but he's going to be back next week now. So, you know, it's, and that's, I guess, going to be the scary thing with Fletcher Baker. If he kills it this week as a cheapie and we look at him next week for the first price rise, um, JWH could be back on the bench next week. Yeah. I'm going to pick my Chooks to win by 12 points. Very optimistic, I know, but it is at Allianz Stadium. Oh, I can't see well where the Warriors beat them, to be honest. But anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, speaking about those worlds, we've got the Dolphins up next, <laughs> KO Stadium. <laughs> Dolphins versus the Raiders, uh, 5.30 kickoff. Well, Dolphins are specials, get on Well, it. look, the, the Dolphins, funnily enough, have named exactly the same side. Who would have thought? Um, I think the uh, Raiders have too, haven't they? Yeah, the Raiders have got the same side out there as well. So it's both of these coaches are pretty steadfast. Oh, except for Hopalwadi coming in for Rapana's. Oh, yeah, Rapana's got his few weeks again. So, look, this one is up at the Dolphins' territory again, which isn't great for the Raiders, certainly a different climate. But I I really don't know what to make out of these, uh, the, the plays for the Dolphins. Like, obviously, the hammer is the big one. He played well last week. I, I'd probably, against the Raiders, need to play him just based on, you know, his 75 points that he just threw up and playing at home again versus the Raiders. But the Raiders, you know, they looked like they were going to give up a heap of points against the Cowboys last week. They got run up 18-0. Then all of a sudden it was, you know, they were back in the game and it was a real close one and it wasn't high scoring. So it, it, I really don't know what to make of this game. Do you think that there could be some points in it for these super coach options or would you gravitate towards, you know, 
a hammer benching because I know everyone's trading in Jermaine Osaka at the moment, 12% of coaches. If they're trading him in, they're obviously playing Jermaine and they're banking on the, the Dolphins going well against the Raiders. Oh, you'd think so. <laughs> uh, if I had the hammer, I'd probably have to play him. If I, I don't know, I don't know if you you'd have someone worth that much that you wouldn't play in the center wing. So you'd probably be taking a punt. But um, this game could be just pretty much similar school on that it was for the Cowboys and the Raiders last week. So it might go the other way. So you couldn't confidently say that uh, any of those guys are going to be a decent option this week from the. The Dolphins. That's how do they come out to after that such a massive pie from last week? And the Raiders are really good. They were gone for all money in that first thirty minutes. Like yeah, they could have been anything, but they hung in and hung in, kept defending well. It was only only 18, 18 points, and then they got to eighteen six at half time, and then it was back to eighteen all, and it was a, well, they lost by a point. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a grinding game again. I, I wouldn't be confident playing anyone from. Either side, to be honest. I don't love playing anyone from either side either. I would try and gravitate towards, you know, benching the hammer and benching some of these other options. I just it's it looks like a risky game, but in saying that on pedigree, as far as one round goes, 108 points for Osako is coming off. Jeremy Marshall King is a smoky, 89 points and looked fantastic last week. Um and the hammer's seventy six points. You can't get over the fact that he had the good base and still managed to get some clutch attack on top. So it's it could go either way. Flip your coins up. Um, on the Raiders side, though, I was I, I do need to give a shout out to Harley Smith Shields, even just because he actually got on the field after a pretty bad knee injury that he had the year before that ruled him out for the season. Uh, I've been looking forward to seeing him play at three hundred k. He was one of those options that I'd you know if we didn't have the cheapies that we that we had, I, I would have considered putting him in. Had thirty eight with no with um a line break, so not the best stats in the world, but you know, it's it's still one to watch for me. But there was some other really obviously highly heralded guys, whether that's a forward that is a massive pot in Hudson Young that only scored thirty eight points, or someone who is a highly owned forward in Joe Tappany that only managed fifty seven points. And that obviously happened because we saw the minutes that we thought were gonna happen per so in that they were going to be limited. So I can't see in that climate playing up at Redcliffe that Ricky's going to push it much more. Uh, so what do you do with someone like Big Joe? Do you say, look, I'm going to downgrade him because I can see that the minutes aren't going to be there um, and he's probably going to get another 57 points? Or do you just bite the bullet and just see how it goes? For me, I'm probably going to see how it goes, but I, I tend to think that it's going to be more of the same as last week and he's scoring 57 on this week. That's a pretty tough call because uh, well, we neither of us went near him because we pretty much suspected that's what it was going to be. He's one of those guys that warms his way into the season. Uh, if you had him, I think you'd probably just ride it out, wouldn't you? I think you'd just ride it out. I don't know if you're worth punting him because he's not going to score terribly. Yeah. So I think, and then as the season warms in, you know, he'll be a gun from sort of origin period onwards. So if you got him, you just you just ride it out. Surely. Yeah, I'd probably see after this week. I mean, you've obviously got to play him, but if he gets like forty five minutes this week and scores a fifty, um, the cash drop's going to start. And I'd even consider just going. You know what? Yeah. We've got enough trades. Well, then you could flip yeah. into a Haas or a Cotter and or just something buy him like back that, later when you can see the minutes consistency and he sort of bottoms out in price as well. But but you obviously got to play these guys. Um, I think Hudson Young could bounce back. Um, you know, I I was. 
I did think that as bad as the Roosters were, there was some opportunity against the, the Dolphins' edges. Um, so certainly, you know, you saw Nat Butcher go through for a pretty clean line break, and there might be some other options for these um, edge forwards for the Raiders. So I'm going to pick a close one as well. I reckon the Raiders by four points. Storm versus the Bulldogs is the last one for Super Saturday. Big changes, obviously, that we've got. Tyron Wishard starting at six. Uh, that's a big downgrade for the Melbourne Storm with Cameron Munster out. But other than that, um, relatively same side. Bulldogs, funnily enough, have stuck pretty strong, Perso. We've even got Farmer Brown still in the 13 jumper. And we've still got young Preston and Tanner on the bench. So they've stuck strong. Serraldo's sort of stuck with his boys despite the bad performance last week. In two minds about this one, when I'm looking at these sides, you know, you've got guys like Warbrick that look really good. For someone who didn't get any attack last week, he scored very good with a nice base, ran the ball over a dozen times. But at the same time, you know, this week it's just, it smells like, you know, I played a Katoa, I was happy with the 50s, even a Liero ended up with 47 points. You, know, you had these pretty solid scores. Chris and Welsh was very good last week with three offloads. I'm going to play all my Storm players. Um, and Nick Meany at 76 points was a bit, a bit of a pot option for me that ended up paying off. Uh, I, I like all these options for the Storm this week, but I am worried about the Munster effect. You know, do we see some of these guys scoring a bit less? Do we see the Storm a bit stagnant? Or do we see guys like Harry Grant and Jerome Hughes step up and then they don't miss a beat and everyone, you know, gets to eat against his Bulldog side at Amy Park? Yeah, that's the way I see it. I think they'll... Um... Hughes especially will step up this week with no monster. Um, Harry Grant will just do Harry Grant things. I, I can see the Storm winning this one fairly easily against the the, uh, the dog this week. So this is another one where you could look at the C for Harry Grant. Uh, I know last week he got that junk time, golden point time try, but this looks a lot easier for him, this run. And I, I think that he's going to have the ball a lot more. So if you're, if you're on a VCing a Tedesco, uh, and you've got Harry Grant. I think that Harry Grant is a prime C option this week at Amy Park versus the Dogs from what we saw last week. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for the doggy side, I, I thought that Max King and Ryan Sutton did admirable in the middle. Um, I started Sutton for 48 points. King was only slightly better at 50 points. So it didn't really come across in Supercoach per se. Well, the minutes are there for Sutton. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with both... Both of these guys, they got the minutes, right? Like King ended up playing 62 minutes. Yep. And then even for Sutton, he still played 57 minutes. So they had to do a lot of tackling, right? They didn't get to run the ball very much. And it was a flogging at 31 to 6 versus the Manly Seagulls. So this week, if it's a bit more competitive, King and uh, Sutton with those same minutes, they could easily be in the 60s in the scoring or pretty solid 55 plus. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, if you had either or, I think they'd. Solid bases coming. Alamodi's on the bench for me. You're not going to think about starting his 19 points again this week until the young fella works it out a little bit more and starts scoring some tries. Second last game of the round, the Tigers versus the Knights at Leichhardt Oval. Um, mate, your Tigers definitely need a win here. They have said that Appy is starting, which is a good start. Um, they've also said that Sean Bloor and Joe O are starting as well, though, so... Wait and see what happens there because uh, I'm expecting 12 to start again because that's what happened last week. Well, 12 started and played 68 minutes. Often Gary played 38 in the 13, so mm-hmm. I can't see that charging. The night side is unchanged as well, so we do not get to see a big Greg Marzu siding. 
which would have been nice for my draft team, but also I would have been looking pretty hard at my classic team for a couple of weeks waiting to get him in. I uh, I, I don't see any Adam, Adam Elliott, though, so this is the other thing, and there's been a lot of questions about it. Um, yeah, I'm, he's injured. Yeah, so he's carrying a small injury. Um, we'll probably expect him back next week, but I don't think anyone should have left him in your side. If you've got him in your side, and there is a few percent that do, I'd be trading him out. Uh, you don't even want to wait a week from Adam, for Adam Elliott, I don't think. No, not at all. I didn't look at that nice bench and just what what it's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Phoenix Cross on Jack Johns, Jack Hetherington, and Leo Thompson. Like, that's a pretty light on bench. Yeah, the whole side looks a bit weird to me. Their extended side, they've got Brody Jones as 18th man. Um, they've also got Greg Marzu in Jersey 21. I'm wondering whether there's going to be any changes to what the side that they've put down here. I think both these sides desperately want to start the season well and they want to win. So I think that both of these sides are going to have quite a few changes to who runs on. Um, compared to what's actually been named. But for Supercoach, I'm not going to start Utakamanu. I think that big Stefano needs to be benched uh, based on last week. You need to wait and see how he goes. But we've spoken about all these fancy VC and C options per so. But Adam Dewey came through with 89 points last week. Uh, Everyone that captained him as one of the top three or four options were highly rewarded. Can he do the same this week? Because against the Knights at Leichhardt, I tend to think that he's another sort of 90-plus region that could be a really understated captaincy choice. So, Well, you'd, you'd think so. I think for sure he's a great captain option this week, especially with, uh, like I said last year, the Tigers got the wooden spoon, but they beat the Knights twice. It's, well, oh, it's going to be a tough choice between him and um, I, I think probably one of the only drawbacks from Dewey from last the seasons before is that you used to have him in and he was a pod just to own. And then if you seed him, he was an ultra pod. And you get 90 points that only maybe 1% or 2% other coaches would have would have done. He's getting traded in by 7% of coaches at the moment, and he was already at ownership in the 30s. So he could be 40% owned by the time we start this round, and maybe half of those coaches are going to captain him. So you know, that's probably the drawback with this one, that um, you're not going to get that, yeah. that edge over a lot of coaches because he's going to be so highly owned. Um, but on the other side, um, we do have... Um, obviously, Kalen Ponga, I think, looked pretty good in round one uh, with his 72 points, and I reckon could look pretty good again. But all these mid-options, you don't really have highly owned for the Newcastle Knights, so you don't have that sort of decision to make. Um, I'm going to pick your boys, though, Perso. I think that this is going to be one of the games that's got a lot of points in it. I reckon this might be a 28-24 type of scoreline, and I'm going to go with the Tigers, but I'm going to be really happy to have some pieces of it with the Supercoach. Yeah, I've got no idea what's going to happen with this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that uh, Tigers game last week would have been one of those 28 24 top games, and we had nothing. So, and the Knights didn't have a lot against the Warriors. Or this, this might be a bloody a 6 4. Oh, that would be very disappointing for me, especially. <laughs> Dragons Titans is the last game of the round for the Dragons. First game of the year at home as well. We get to see what their side looks like. No real surprises. Um, Tyrell Sloan is at the back for an interesting watch to see if you can downgrade him later on if he ends up firing some attack. And we've also got Ben Murdoch-Masala that has been named as a starting edge back row, which we thought would happen. But now that we've actually seen it on paper, a 235K front row forward, second row forward option, um, he becomes a bit of an option. One guy that we didn't speak about in our roundup when we're talking about Manly was Kepi. I ended up at the last minute. I had like literally... I must have had 30 seconds left before lockout. 
ended up going down from a Kepi to a Ben Murnock Masala. Just hopeful that he was going to start because I didn't want a Kepi if he was going to be benched. Uh, and that's that's possibly going to be an option for coaches this week with this game. If you got him starting and you end up with a real middling guy that's benched, or if you decide that you need to move on from a Pele, uh, I think that he's an option. Like I don't like Ben Murdoch Masala as a great super coach option. He's got a terrible PPM per, so he's probably going to score poorly. But if he's going to get 80 minutes on an edge as a 235k front row forward, he might be an out to some of these poor decisions potentially. Could be. I don't see any viable uh, universe where he's going to get 80 on the edge, though. Um, 50 to 60, maybe. But even at, at that, it's probably better than what Pelé's going to choose. So. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting bench for this Dragons side for their first game. They've got Zane Musgrove, who's obviously going to play prop. Um, Toby Couchman's making his debut, and, and Michael Molo, who's going to play prop. Um, and then Jacob Little's obviously going on at hooker. So it's a strange, man. They don't have a lot of forward minutes on this bench. Whether it stars that way, who knows? But um, mm. yeah, uh, BBM's yeah, probably not a decent option at uh, that pro. Like he's he's almost like he's a shade over uh, bottom dollar. So yeah, he, he's going to be a downgrade one Definitely. for people. But on the Titans side of things, um, I was I was actually quite surprised that people were a little bit unhappy with David Fafita or worried about him. Uh, like, I know, I know that he didn't have a massive work rate or anything, but 83 points. You know, I know he had the assist in there, but I was pretty happy with that against your Tigers. I mean, they only scored 22 points. So for him to get some attack, I thought was good um, and a good sign as well. And he just signed a, a new deal to keep him at the Titans for an extra two years, which has just come out this week. Uh, that's, that's probably around to uh, try him out now. <laughs> the old contract year's gone. That's it. Yeah, don't don't register at the NRL until buy <laughs> <Yeah>. time, all right? <laughs> Just leave it in the cupboard for a while. <laughs> but no, he was good. Oh, I'm happy. I'll go for Fletcher my side. I was, I'm happy with him. I've got no drama with it. Sitting on the left edge now, we're four and sort of being under injured clouds with a, a negative. But with Firma going down, unfortunately for Firma, it looks like Fafita would be back on the left and they got Stimson on the right. So he ended up getting 17 runs. Like it didn't look like he was getting as many runs as well. Yeah, he would, yeah. He gets through some work. The people would sort of just have that narrative around him because he's on that million dollar contract that he's lazy. He's not lazy at all. He's, he actually gets through more work most um, edge forwards do. But... Well, I'm going to go out on a massive limb here, Perso. If you want an absolute dark horse, Need to win your head to head, even though it's only round two, and nobody should need to win their head to head in round two. Orion, <laughs> <laughs> captain for feeder, has a chance of paying off. Um, this dragon side, I think that we saw in the charity shield, even though it's a trial, it's it's a pretty glorified trial. Um, Damien Cook and their forwards absolutely yeah. drilled the dragons' middle, and Cook found so much room both in the middle and also thrown out to the edges. There was a lot of space to. I could see Fafita going over for at least a try here, um, certainly a 90-plus score. I'm elated to have Fafita on my side, and if I needed to have a throw at the stumps because a VC didn't work on a Teddy or someone like that, um, then the massive pot option, I reckon, Fafita could be in for a big one this week. And I'm saying all this per se because I don't like the Dragons, but I'm still not going to play Carpiera for his five points. Yeah, and he'll probably score four tries this week. Neither are supplied. That's... <laughs> I was looking at it and I'm going, he's going to score. He'll score a Hattie this week for sure. I was looking at it before round yeah. one. I had this week circled, you know, playing 
playing the Dragons. I was like, this, this is the matchup that you want, Barnsley. Uh, now I've got to bench him because of his five points last week. Yeah, I'll take Warbrick for his, his solid base of 35 or up. And then, um, yeah, Carpereira will probably turn up, but I won't be that disappointed at that, to be honest, if that happens. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to go for my prediction on this one as the Titans uh, 30 to the Dragons 16. Yeah, I, I can't get behind the Dragons at all. No, on paper, they look like they're in for a world of pain in this forward pack. Uh, and that, that charity shield, they were awful. Yeah, it's just a, oh, Ben Hunt's their only hope of being competitive, even on the scoreboard here. And I just even the Titans got a good win away from home at, at Leichhardt, so I don't see why the Dragons are going to be any different um, having to play them at Jubilee. Uh, I think they can get up again, yeah, for well, sure. That's going to end the podcast for this week for TLT Round 2 for Supercoach. Perso, you've been an absolute trooper. It's been a long one. Been a bit late because I got stuck on a train. Perso's tired. He's on holidays tomorrow. I need to let him go. So, Perso, thanks for jumping on again. We'll get you on real soon again to chat some more footy and Supercoach. Always a pleasure, Barzi. For everyone listening, you can download, stream, or listen. Also, share and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Amazon. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. The Talk and Footy episodes are back, everybody. So, every Friday, you'll get the Talk and Footy episode. Maybe even Thursday nights if you're lucky. This week, uh, we'll have our first talking footy episode for the year where we only talk rugby league. We don't talk any super coach. And it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to talk footy and not have to look at my super coach team. Until then, good luck with your super coach changes. Good luck with your super coach teams this week. We'll be back talking footy at the end of the week. We'll be back talking super coach for TLT next Tuesday and Wednesday. Hey now, you're an all star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.